Come on. Strong, the powerful Paul Zach has returned to Lifeblood. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you so much, George. Great to be back. Excited to have you back on. Paul is a professor. He is a speaker, an entrepreneur. He's the founder and chief immersion officer at Immersion Neuroscience. Again, excited to have you back on, Paul. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. I'm a professional nerd and kind of a tool guy, so I have spent my professional career creating tools to help people curate their lives for greater happiness. Nice. And I do that by running neuroscience experiments and then from those experiments, uh, generally creating some piece of software. I like it. And a little bit about the personal life. Oh, I have no personal life. I just work all the time. None. Uh, yeah. So I've been a professor <laughs> at Claremont Graduate University for 25 years. Uh, they've been great to me, giving me a lot of freedom to explore um, all kinds of weird areas and trying to understand why people do what they do. Uh, married two kids, uh, going off to college, uh, the, the younger one. So, uh, in two months, I'll be very, very sad and lonely. Got it. Well, different seasons of life, right? Actually very exciting. I, I tell my kids, like I tell my graduate students, because I love you, I want you to get, have you get the hell out of my house or lab <laughs> and start your life, right? My job is to set you up and then kick you out. And so, um, I had a, Wonderful group. I think I've had 80 PhD students uh, do their PhDs with me in the last 25 years. So I have a, a second family out there, um, most of them doing pretty cool stuff uh, So in the world. And the nice thing is if you get to collaborate with them or keep working with them over time, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, that must be a really amazing, uh, very unique network that, that, that you've sort of set off into the world to do their thing. And then uh, opportunities uh, hopefully will come up. So very cool. So what is top of mind for you right now, Paul? It's really service. Uh, I think, you know, um, as I kind of move from putting all my time into doing um, basic research and into creating software companies, um, you know, the, the point of a company is to create tools and make them available to as many people as possible. But to do that, you have to understand who would pay for that. Why are they valuable? What service are they um, generating for the people who use this software? And so... Um, I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about service. How can we serve people better uh, and and create better tools, better features, um, improve the software? Uh, and so I think that's a great mindset. I think um, uh, Jack Welch, towards the end of his life, you know, talked about the stupidity of uh, looking at things like stock price or even profits uh, as the metric of success, and really thought, you know, uh, service value, creating value for individuals is the fundamental basis for success. And that's probably true in business and in life, right? If I'm of service to other people, uh, then I'm probably a good human being as well. Yeah. I'm fond of saying I'd rather be useful than brilliant. And so that could just be because I'm not brilliant, Paul. And, and, and how, I'd about, say how about both? You can be both, George. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. It doesn't need to be a binary thing, right? right. It is possible that for two things to be true at the same time. All right. So, so you are working to create better tools, helping people to to become successful in whatever they're doing and creating th things that people are actually going to pay for. Um, are there new tools that, that you've been working on that you're ready to deploy or some, some new tools that, 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 that you, you're finalizing, finishing? 
Yeah, so it's been a great uh, ride. So we just launched version three of the Immersion Neuroscience platform uh, and, and importantly um, transitioned from enterprise software to uh, individual use software. So um, to allow more people to measure what the brain loves in real time, any place people are doing cool things. Uh, and so being able to have a, a self-service, uh, lower cost model um, it, it's been really exciting and hard. It's, it's really hard to make that so easy and clear that without any training, without it, talking to any humans, you can download an app and, um, and, and measure things. So I think you know, none of us wants to go to a bad movie or, or go on a bad date or uh, you know, go to a terrible class. Um, and so how do we know good from bad? We've really got to measure brain activity. Our, our brains are not designed to um, clearly articulate our unconscious um, emotional responses to an experience or content. And so that's what we've been working on for, you know, most of the last 20 years. Roughly speaking, give or take. Yeah. So walk me through, maybe you used, you know, go to a crappy movie, go on a bad date. How does, how, how does it actually work? What does it do? Yeah. So we basically pulled data from a smartwatch, like a Apple watch or a Fitbit and um, apply algorithms that allow us to infer what the brain's doing from the cranial nerves. Um, so big surprise to listeners, the brain is actually connected to the heart uh, and vice versa. And so I can feed in heart rate and uh, through you know 20 years of research have mapped out the relationship between heart and brain. Uh, and so I can get a very clear picture of what the brain is doing second by second. Uh, and then we've created a easy to understand platform in which uh, data run from zero to 100, higher is better, and uh, people can see second by second how much their brain, other people's brains, uh, value um, uh, advertisement, uh, movie trailer, uh, training. Uh, some of our biggest clients uh, are in corporate training space. So, you know, training's hard. I mean, learning is hard. Uh, you know, how do we actually get better at this? I think we've got to measure. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. And so. Uh, immersion, this neurologic state, has two components. One is you've got to pay attention. That's driven by the brain's production of dopamine. But the second is you actually have to care about the experience you're having. You have to be emotionally resonant with it. Uh, and, and that's driven by the brain's production of oxytocin. So this immersion state that we discovered through basic research um, strongly predicts recall of information, um, taking actions after an experience like buying a product or posting social, to social media or emailing your congressperson. Um, and so um, essentially immersion tells us that the brain is sufficiently shaken up that you're motivated to do something. And, uh, and thus we're very uh, accurate at predicting market outcomes by measuring the brains at, in as few as 35 people. Nice. So there's, there's a lot of, it's, it's fascinating. Why, why would I as an individual want to know that, need to know that? Yeah, so I mean, there's so many applications here. Um, one is um, if you have kids in school, like I'd like to know before you take a test in three weeks if you understood the information. There's a strong correlation between information recall weeks later and immersion. So um, for a client like um, who's been very public about using our technology, Accenture, they create $1 billion of training for their employees every year. So they have a very um, astute a set of learning architects, and they're constantly tweaking this training to make it better, instituting new training. But what's the metric before they started using our technology? It was that ex post survey, 
hey, George, how'd you like the, the keynote speaker? Was the lunch good? Don't yeah. give a crap about that. I want to know, did that information get in your head and shake up your brain so that you can use it and create value for Accenture? So um, uh, another application is a lot of clients in the entertainment space. Consistently, in the last 30 years, 80% of movies lose money. How is that possible? Wow. I'm a cheap guy. I just hate to see wasted resources. So, um, you know, because immersion is subscription software, clients use this throughout the content creation process. So from table reads to script evaluations to choosing talent to choosing music, um, all those can be assessed very rapidly by sending a piece of content out to your friends or colleagues or a panel of people who have our software and uh, on their on their smartphones and watches and just saying, hey, Bruce, on, excuse me, I want to see how your brain responds to this. Okay, awesome. Um, that worked. And then this section didn't work very well either. Okay, let's edit that, make it better. Um, so I'm into kind of making cool stuff, right? We all want to have it's really cool. Uh, you know, we're all creators now, I think. We're all makers. But how do I know what I'm making is valuable? I can put it out in the world and see if it, if it sinks or swims, or in the process of creation, I can get beyond my own perhaps biased intuition on what's going to be successful and move that into really getting essentially a, a, a market test, but that's a brain test on is this content really exciting for people's brains? If it is, awesome. It's going to get shared. It's going to get remembered. It's going to get acted on. Um, if it's not, then I'll just do a little more work, right? Crank it up a little bit. It strikes me that it's like an ultimate lie detector test. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly not brainwashing, right? We're measuring people's brains, but um, uh, I, I don't want to use a bad word, but one of our clients called this the give a S measure, right? So I, I've got to, people to get people to care about whatever I'm creating or delivering, and Caring in the brain is metabolically costly. Your brain just wants to kind of cruise and just idle whenever possible. But if I can somehow deliver this information in a way that's so exciting that you've just got to get into it, um, you know, then I've actually made an impact on people. So I'll give you a quick example. So in, uh, some years ago, just for fun, uh, as you know, I've given a couple of TED Talks. We had people, um, we had them wear smart watches, and we had them watch a bunch of by some online uh, you know, list, the worst and best TED Talks. Not mine, because ideally didn't, I was too afraid. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, so we had people watch good and bad TED Talks, and in fact, the, the um, TED Talks with more, so more, you know, better means basically more online views, much more immersive, their structure was actually different, so because we have second by second data, we can break down how you structure a TED Talk, and we found that a 10% increase in immersion would result in 176,000 more online views. Hmm. So the impact is powerful if you can grab the brain and say, hey, this is so valuable to you, this is so important that you really gotta put energy into absorbing it. Yeah, that certainly does make sense. I can think of so many different use cases, de delivering a great TED Talk, creating great training that's, 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 that's going to actually take and, and, and be used and be effective. Uh, proving my concept before I launch it. Um, there's probably talk about 80% of business or movies that don't make money. I'm sure that there's a ton of entrepreneurs out there that, that launch and then they find out that just the appetite for whatever they made isn't there. Um, is that how, 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 how you're seeing this at a smaller scale for, for people that kind of fit into that camp? 
Yeah, exactly right. So as we kind of transition into the experience economy where we value not just the commodity we're getting, we're valuing the experience of consuming that, then we really got to create uh, great uh, experiences for people. So you get a quick example. We had a client uh, who we lost because of COVID, but we had a client in the luxury retail space. Um, and so it's interesting, George, you know my work pretty well. You know, immersion is this uh, social interaction between people. So um, it's contagious. If I'm having a great time, you're generally having a great time too. So there's a strong correlation between my immersive state and yours. And so this client uh, gave wearables to their salespeople, uh, and this is luxury retail, and they're able to predict with, I think, 84% accuracy what customers would buy based on the immersion of the salespeople. And then they went back, and they, because all, all uh, retail stores have, have video cameras, and they started looking at those videotapes. What are those high sales salespeople doing, right? Are they, uh, and I, I don't have this data, but you know, are they touching them on the shoulder? Are they showing the clothing in a different way? Are they smiling more, right? All this means we can create better experiences that customers want. They really want to have a great experience. I don't want to walk into any store, Walmart for that matter. I don't want to have a bad experience at Walmart. I want to have that nice greeter smile at me, help me find the aisle that I need to find, right? All those great experiences. Um, and so we can help people get better, just give them objective feedback. Like, hey, this is really working, not just on self-report, because people lie. I mean, people lie because they're malicious generally, but because if you ask me, you know, how much am I enjoying, uh, you know, being on the show here with you? I don't know, compared to what? Compared to my kids? Compared to my dog? My dog's perfect. My dog's never talked back to me, right? He's a 10 <laughs> out of 10. So, you know, it's just difficult for people to assess consciously how uh, much value they're getting from that experience. And also, we just want to be nice to people and mm -hmm. not, you know, not, I don't want to be a jerk and, uh, sorry, I don't want to be more of a jerk than I already am. And, uh, you know, so inside, it's, it's just a difficult question. But by circumventing that conscious reporting and going right to brain activity, it gives us the opportunity to really get objective data that's actionable, right? It's, it's very granular, fine-grained. I can see like, oh, the introduction of this piece of, uh, say, clothing to this client fabulous and then I don't know then I kind of dropped the ball and that client was sort of tuned out and then they walked out of the store okay that's interesting how might I turn that around well if I have enough data if I have enough positive and negative outcomes for that customer then I can start finding patterns um, so uh, yeah so I should say this this uh, we should thank the US taxpayer so we got um, several million dollars from from DARPA from the US intelligence community that as you can imagine would like to know what people will do after a communication, right? So this is again, not, not directed towards uh, US citizens by law. It, you know, how do I get some uh, guy in Afghanistan to tell me where the bad guys are hiding? Mm. Um, so I, I think it's a very noble endeavor for the military. You know, the work we did early on was about how to train soldiers to use words rather than weapons to motivate people to cooperate with the US. So I think it's the same thing in the business setting here with the technology we have today. How do I create an experience that's so valuable to you that you love it, you wanna spend more money, but you're also having a great time, you wanna come back, I'm generating uh, loyal customers, I'm generating people who wanna share information. Um, I'm creating super fans, evangelists for this experience. What could be better than that? And, and it's, again, it's not evil. I don't, I don't think there's an evil you know, uh, extent to this. It's like, just how do I, how do I get better at what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. I need really good data to me. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree. That's I would rather have an awesome dining experience than just an okay one. I would rather 
for, for all the different examples that that we go through in life i would i would rather optimize as 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 much as possible do you get pushback on on or what what pushback do you get if 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 any yeah good question i um two kind of two pieces one is um, you know, people worry about, um, you know, being in some giant database. So there's no personally identifiable information um, on the site. So the platform generates a secret code for your data. You know that code um, and you can go look at your data over time if you want to see, you know, uh, how you've responded to classroom or training. Um, there are some instances in which people consent to have that code opened up. So students in school, the parents can uh, give written consent and say, I want to know how well my kid today did in class today so that if he or she did not absorb the material well, uh, the teacher can follow up right away. So there's circum circumstances in which you may want to break that. Um, and the second, I think, lack of understanding. So because we're pulling data from a smartwatch, it does seem kind of magical, right? How do I go from a smartwatch in which you're wearing um, at a theater watching the latest Disney release to uh, measuring your brain activity? So um, you know, I think we, we the company, but me and, and as an individual, has spent a lot of time kind of educating the marketplace that um, actually, you know, the, the whole body and brain are connected to each other. So we can pull signals from the body to um, capture what the brain is doing, and we can do that very rapidly using cloud servers. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we're still in the education phase. I think we've been um, super excited to have great clients. Um, uh, we survived COVID with some help from the government, which was great, uh, but really understand that um, in lots of realms, uh, if we can just get better at how we create or deliver content, then the world's just a little better place. And uh, I do feel like, uh, you know, everyone's got to do this eventually, right? So uh, I remember talking to uh, a, kind of a major movie studio that used our our uh, subscriber to our software and um, after a year they decided not to renew and I said how, how come uh, no, we learned a lot I said but you know all the guys in the in the street down the block from me are, are still using our software right they're continually to improving as they get new content as they reach new audiences um, you know there's so many interesting questions here right? if I'm making a, a superhero movie and as we know you know a lot of that target audience is in China now like how do I edit that? They're edited differently when they release in Asia. So how do I edit that differently for China versus the U.S.? That seems like a really good and you know very uh, valuable question to ask. And I can ask a bunch of Chinese people, or I can just have them look at an app and say, oh, look, their brains are responding or not responding to this. Or maybe I should change the iconography. Maybe the music should be different. Maybe, I don't know. I can think of lots of different differences. So I call this creative plus, right? It's we, we, software cannot replace creatives. We still need people to create content. But to believe that, um, as some artists say, I just create content to make myself happy. Yeah, maybe, but eventually you gotta sell this thing, right? You gotta get other people to go, oh man, I love this, this is great. Maybe not everybody, but you've gotta know who that target audience is. To have a, a, a tool, a sort of a neural prosthetic that allows you to get that uh, unconscious insight in real time, uh, just seems like the best way to really make people happy. And again, that's what I've sort of focused my my professional life on is creating happiness. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that that's that's that I think that that's amazing. And what a great example. Uh, talk about just going to a, 
a, a, a different culture where there's different languages and customs and everything. And you can ask them, hey, what did you think about the movie? And all those biases will immediately play in and all those, for lack of a better term, barriers in between honest, you know, open and honest communication and effective communication. Or you can just directly use this tool and cut through all of that. So that makes sense. I like it. Well, Paul, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this. It's such a great question. And I was thinking about the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. And it came from an undergraduate finance class in which the professor said, the most important thing is finance is to pay yourself first. Now, that sounds like a really selfish kind of thing but if you think about what that means it's like when you're on the airplane and you get that safety thing put your own oxygen mask on before you help others so I think to me pay yourself first means you should order the things you're doing in life so that you're knocking off the most important things for you for society and if you uh, pay yourself first if you uh, order your life so that you're doing the most important things it means you can be of service to other people as well so if I lose my job, if I'm not successful, if I'm struggling, I can't really reach out and help other people, right? So I think um, this is not uh, selfish or selfless. It's really about understanding that we are members of community. And if I want to be a good community member to my family, to my uh, colleagues, whatever, uh, I've got to really pay myself first. So do the most important things first, like working out, right? So after this, I'm going to go work out. I do it in the morning. Why? priority. I'm going to knock that in today, make sure I get that workout in. If I don't, then I begin to degrade physically, which degrades me mentally, and then I'm not able to be a good husband, a good father, a, a good work colleague. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets to come on. Come on. Really well said right there. And, you know, going through that exercise will also cause us to figure out what those really important things are for us. So wonderful. Well, Paul, thanks so much for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? I'm happy to be engaging with people. And so nice to see you again too, George. Uh, getimmersion.com is the uh, company website. Uh, you can email me there. Happy to engage with folks uh, if they have additional questions. And I do think we all are becoming uh, amateur neuroscientists now, right? We all are interested in why the humans around us are so interesting and unusual and fascinating. Um, that's essentially what movies are about, novels and classes. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the site. I write blogs every week and, uh, you know, learn a little about the neuroscience. And um, I think building a, an appreciation for the beautiful human world we live in of the complete weirdos we're around, including ourselves. We're all a little bit odd. And uh, and let's just value that and appreciate it. I think it's such a beautiful thing. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to getimmersion.com. It's G-E-T-I-M-M-E-R-S-I-O-N.com. And I, don't, I can't say it any better than Paul just did, so check out all the great resources on the site. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.